0: Ibogaine also is very unique because it stays in your system for months after. Most psychedelics are out pretty quickly. You have these insights, but they're very hard to integrate. Ibogaine stays in your liver mm-hmm. and you're able to integrate your insights. And so a lot of the work we do with people on site is we have full-time psychologists and coaches and we help them take their insights and develop a plan with them that's unique to them for how they can actually actualize yeah. their insights. and. Because I is so unique, you have the, this window of opportunity, yeah, they call yeah, it. Yeah. And so it's a reason why biohackers love it yeah. because you can start – whole. I started a whole company the first time after Ibogaine. You know, I was newly off all drugs and I had all this energy and, and I wanted to put it towards doing good on yeah. the planet. And so that is very common. People leave us and they finish their book or they switch careers mm. and – and it's truly an incredible thing to witness people coming in very sick and broken, whether it's chemical dependency or an eating disorder or you know, severe anxiety, and leaving with such profound light in their eyes just mm-hmm. a few days later, mm-hmm. and remembering their purpose and seeing each person's unique purpose.
1: Welcome to The Trip Report, a podcast from Beckley Waves a Psychedelic Venture Studio. I'm Zach Hagney. Like many, I believe we're in the midst of a watershed moment with the re-emergence of psychedelics into the mainstream culture, but the future is far from certain. My goal with The Trip Report is to help listeners develop a deep understanding of the dynamics, complexities, and broader implications of this new paradigm. In these conversations, I dive deep into the business, science, policy, and culture of psychedelics with a wide range of guests. Including scientists, entrepreneurs, investors, clinicians, and others. Check out the to sign up for our newsletter. And if you want to learn more about Beckley Waves, visit BeckleyWaves.com. Today I'm speaking with Talia Eisenberg, co-founder of Beyond Ibogaine, an addiction and chemical dependence treatment center in Cancun, Mexico. I wanted to speak with Talia because the Beyond Model, a modern medical-grade Ibogaine-based rehab center seems to me like the closest approximation to what the psychedelic medicine practice of the future will look like. Ibogaine has developed a reputation as the most effective psychedelic substance for the treatment of opioid dependencies, including painkillers, heroin, and fentanyl. Recently, the state of Kentucky's Opioid Commission announced that it would be evaluating a $42 million grant to study Ibogaine for the treatment of opioid addiction and withdrawal. However, by all accounts, the Ibogaine experience is no walk in the park. A longer treatment duration and heightened risk compared to other psychedelics makes Ibogaine unique among this class of substances. To me, Ibogaine best captures the duality of an incredibly promising new treatment paradigm for one of society's most pressing problems with the need for caution and restraint because it demands a greater need for screening, preparation, and safety monitoring due to the associated risks. I reached out to Talia because she is uniquely positioned to discuss Ibogaine and Ibogaine treatments as she credits it with saving her own life and now operates an Ibogaine treatment facility down in Mexico. Talia received her undergrad degree from the New School in New York City and earned an MBA from the Presidio Graduate School in San Francisco. She's a serial entrepreneur, a mother, a wife, and in long-term recovery. In this episode, we discuss the history and the impact of the opioid epidemic, Talia's personal story of addiction, treatment, and renewal, the traditional rehab industry, the importance of short- and long-term integration with ibogaine, and the role of glial cell line-derived neurotrophic factor, aka GDNF, in ibogaine treatment. As you hear, I'm not too familiar with ibogaine. I've never tried it. And since it has a smaller research footprint than psilocybin, MDMA, and other compounds, I haven't spent much time learning about it. Thankfully, Talia was the perfect person to speak with to bring me up to speed. And now, without further ado, I bring you my conversation with Talia Eisenberg. We were just talking about how... Ibogaine is is unique within the compounds that kind of fall within the psychedelic umbrella because of the medical risks. And it really needs to be delivered in a safe and monitored and, and, and above board kind of format. And so there's risks that we were just talking about kind of with the proliferation of, of plant medicines. And it seems like on the one hand, I, I was asked a question about this yesterday on a panel like Somebody thought like I. I see ibogaine becoming more part of the conversation, and I I have some reasons about that. But I guess what's your take? Like you're focused on ibogaine with Beyond, and and that's the I think the primary medicine that you offer, right? And so what what is this moment like for for you for ibogaine for the culture? Take that as you will.
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So yeah, we are at a very unique moment for ibogaine for. Various reasons I can talk about that. So, right, there's a fentanyl crisis in our country. Fentanyl is the number one killer for people under the age of 40 right now. Are you serious? People know that. Wow. Every five minutes, there's a death in this country. It's a serious epidemic, and the media only talks about the problem. There's no solution ever, and we have a traditional rehab model that is uh, you know, a repeat model, 50% of people leave traditional yeah. rehab early. There's about a 5% success rate.
1: Is that for sort of substances across the board, opioid, alcohol, drug abuse? Yes, yeah. uh, chemical dependency can, in yeah. general.
0: Uh, but the fentanyl crisis has gotten worse. You know, it was proliferated. It began 15, 20 years ago because of, you know, the set, what happened with Purdue and mm. Oxycontin. Mm. And really blue collar workers it started you know in the south Mm -hmm. and there's a lot that went on kickbacks to doctors and you know a sales task force that was paid well for for selling was it dope
1: sick that was a recent documentary yeah dope sick did a
0: really great job and then there's a book on the Sackler family Mm -hmm. of the Sackler dynasty something like that that explains exactly what happens and they own the advertising company and they own the pharmaceutical manufacturing company yeah. they own basically the whole market and they hold the whole
1: value chain of, of opioids and they right? sort of
0: kept it quiet that they own different parts and so they were marketing to doctors they own the journals they own the, yeah. the R&D you know yeah. the manufacturing so that occurred and then what happened was people became addicted they didn't know that it was addicted and then of course people had to go to the streets because you need more and more doctors mm-hmm. cut you off mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. government got involved and closed down a lot of yeah you know, uh, offices that weren't yeah. operating ethically, and I guess my story segues. I-, I can talk a little bit about my background. You know, it's not uncommon. I was 19 years old. I, I went to a dentist. I had a tooth problem and uh, was given oxycontin. Right, that was uh, almost 15 years ago, and so that that's happened to millions of mm-hmm. Americans. Mm-hmm. And I became addicted, and I liked it because uh, I think for many reasons. You know, I, I come. I think I have epigenetic trauma i come mm. my my grandmother survived auschwitz and mm. i always felt extreme anxiety as a child never felt like i fit in and when i discovered that when i tried that opiate i felt free for the first yeah. time and you know there i was seemingly successful i guess living in new york city i had a lot of friends and with a secret addiction and it ruled me it was like a, a mental prison for a few years and I ended up you know buying pills and then it got really bad and went to traditional rehabs all across the country some of the best ones uh was fortunate that my parents cared and yeah. they had resources and didn't work and I ran into a friend of mine who I used to party with and use opiates with and he was doing great married and he said you had to try this thing called ibogaine just bear with me, it's at a rundown house in Mexico. Uh-huh. You know these people they're not medical professionals. they don't have a background in psychology, but go and just try it and
1: How long ago was that?
0: That was in two thousand eleven, so a while ago, you know almost uh thirteen years ago i've been long story short, I've been opiate free you know, don't drink alcohol, yeah. very conscious, yeah, working you know in Good psychedelic assisted therapy, but yeah, that's my story, and, and that was very transformative because, see, these traditional rehabs, they work on the, the symptom of let's get people off yeah. of of whatever they're on. It's not about the root cause, which is yeah. typically trauma, you know. Underlying pain. And, and we know that these medicines specifically ibogaine for habits and dependencies not just chemical like we're also treating behavioral dependencies yeah but we know that they get to the root cause like my whole journey 13 years ago was about my own inner pain my feelings of unworthiness i saw my family in the holocaust and it was able to see how many of them lived and instead of you know being a a taker in life i wanted to give back because they had survived so i wanted Be useful here on the planet. And I felt that love that my grandmother Mm -hmm. taught me. So, and that many other things I saw, you know, it showed me if I keep heading down this path, I won't be here anymore.
1: This was your experience. This was my experience with Ibogaine.
0: However, you know, I think God bless the people in this house. It was not professionally done. There's no medical professionals around. I felt very scared. I thought in mm-hmm. a moment I was going to have a heart attack. There were no therapists mm-hmm. preparing me and it was very scary afterwards. And I left prematurely and there's people doing drugs in the facility. Or it wasn't even a facility yeah. in the house. So that for me lit the the desire to one day do this differently. Yeah. And yeah. so that's how really Beyond was born a couple of years ago.
1: So this was back in two thousand eleven, you said where you went down to Mexico for the time and 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 it sounds like it was a cathartic and therapeutic and healing experience it sounds like it had a bit of both experiences right it was like it was healing it was therapeutic but it was also like holy shit this is kind of gnarly how they're how they're operating was that the only experience that you had did you yeah was your journey sort of sort of if if you're comfortable talking about that yeah
0: well i think like any entrepreneur you know you you see a problem and you want to provide a solution in the world. So I think it was a blessing to have such a personal eye-opening experience, mm-hmm. to lose the desire to come in on opiates mm-hmm. and not want mm-hmm. it anymore and have a rapid detox and not be sweating and shaking and mm-hmm. barfing and all the the reasons why people never stop, mm-hmm. uh, but also to see what the flaws were and to be able to innovate on that mm-hmm. much later. Well, that was not my only time doing Ibogaine. That was my one time doing it for chemical dependency. I was done after that. I changed my life. I, you know, I did leave that facility early and had to, you know, one of the big challenges is access, right? And I I think, you know, I'm privileged and I'll be the first to admit that. And I was able to leave New York City and move to Boulder and begin working with Marcella Mm Otolora. Do you know her? Sure early before, you know, MAPS had a few employees. And the first thing I did after Ibogaine was call Rick and say, this is a profound tool that the world needs at this unique time when there's such a problem happening with opiates. And I think he turned me on. I needed integration support. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was really struggling Mm -hmm. because this is another challenge with Ibogaine. It opens you up to so many realms. Most people, you know, they think they're just going to take this pill and yeah, they don't, the the, the the cravings and the desire to use is gone, but you know, it opens you up to all your underlying challenges, family dynamics and unworthiness. And I think one of the big things we do at Beyond is we help people find uniquely what makes them feel alive. Yeah. You know, if you're living your passion, you don't want to do harmful, you don't want to yeah. put poison in your body sure. anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I was able to get in touch with Marcella and basically she mothered me back to life. We would meet every week and I would, then I would go climb Chautauqua and I connected with nature, but I had the ability not to work or, you know, I'm 21 years old. Most kids have to go to college and, you know, make a living. I was able to pause for a year Mm -hmm. and focus on really, and really healing. So, so that's another challenge I think with bringing this mainstream and, and medicalizing it is the current model, the insurance model doesn't make room, you know? Yeah. And also at Beyond, we use a lot of untraditional methods like somatic work and
1: yeah.
0: um, breath work and and all of these tools, right? Get you present and in your body. Because I remember the first time after Ibogaine just having severe anxiety and confusing that. A lot of people confuse that with withdrawals. But it's like you're feeling for the first time right, again. It's right, very right. hard to be present. Yeah. And if you you know, to be able our nurses, we have twelve like ER cardiac care trained nurses. They're all now trained in breath work yeah. and somatics oh, that's incredible. and and you know, which is great. Yeah. So, so they can lean in and help people. And and of course, we have a lot of programming on site with different modalities, like I'm talking about. But uh yeah, so that was that was a real challenge. So then Just to go back to your question, I'm skipping around. The second time I did it was more for codependency issues. So, a lot of times when you have addiction issues, underlying are these family dynamics that helped create the system. The system that you come from breeds addiction sometimes when you look closer. And so, I think I did it for a relationship and codependency Mm -hmm. three years later. And that Mm -hmm. was very helpful. And I got out of a very troubling relationship. And then the third time, was just six months ago and of course I wanted to do it with our lead nurse and our staff just to see how they work and the level of care and sort of test it out yeah. our, uh, we have a medical room with EKGs yeah. and a crash cart, and um, of course really great music and headphones and everything like that but I wanted to experience it and I also um, began. we're noticing is very useful to help people come off of SSRIs and reset interesting so they need to you know prepare months before we work with a nurse practitioner who's licensed in the U.S. and they microdose to get off of Prozac or or something like that and then they can come to us and it resets you I think better than psilocybin it seems because otherwise you feel depressed for a year or two years sometimes So I was on Prozac after I had, I have a five-year-old son and Mm -hmm. I had postpartum. Mm -hmm. So I used it the third time for that. And that was very effective. And it also helped me confront, I have a deep fear of death, which Mm -hmm. I think we all do Mm because we have egos, but Mm -hmm. maybe me more so than most because of my family's history Mm -hmm. and some of the things I think they saw, I feel like I carry that fear. So it. It helped me with that, but those were the three times.
1: Interesting. Yes. Fascinating. Yes,
0: and it's it's been a true honor and privilege. We've been open about a year and a half now. We've treated uh-huh. hundreds of people. I think what else has been surprising is we are all, we have a whole track for mood and trauma, mm-hmm. so we have chemical dependency, and then we treat anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. and trauma. Ends. What was incredible. So people
1: can come into beyond in one of two pathways. It sounds like. Actually,
0: three now. Okay. So then we've developed a third lately, which is for health and optimization, and that's yeah. a shorter term program yeah. for busy executives who are burnt out or yeah. you know uh, Tim Ferriss type Biohackers yeah. yeah. love this, yeah. and because of the GDNF properties in uh-huh. your brain, it helps promote this natural protein. I think it's the only medicine on the planet that does. It's called glial derived nootropic factor. Oh wow. And it's what we have in spades from the age of like zero to seven. And yeah. It creates curiosity and, yeah. it's, and a passion for life. Interesting. So a lot of so it poppers, upregulates
1: like it, GDNF. Ibogaine you, uniquely does that. Uniquely, yes.
0: And so and for months afterwards. And you know it takes something like twenty one days to sure. create a new habit. Yeah. So ibogaine also is very unique because it stays in your system for months after. Most psychedelics are out pretty quickly. You have these insights, but they're very hard to integrate. Ibogaine stays in your liver Mm -hmm. and you're able to integrate your insights. And so a lot of the work we do with people on site is we have full-time psychologists and coaches and we help them take their insights and develop a plan with them that's unique to them for how they can actually actualize their insights. And because Ibogaine is so unique, you have this window of opportunity, they call it. And so it's a reason why biohackers love it because you can start whole, I started a whole company the first time after Ibogaine, you know, I was newly off all drugs and I had all this energy and I yeah. flew to China and started, you know, an early vape company and people <laughs> didn't know what vaping was. I thought I was nuts, but I had all this energy. <laughs> and I remember going like with, you know, doing all kinds of crazy shit, like going outside methadone clinics, living in New York city and, and handing out business cards about Ibogaine. But my point is I had all this energy in it and I wanted to put it towards doing good on yeah. the planet. And so that is very common. People leave us and they finish their book or they switch careers. Mm. And, and it's truly an incredible thing to witness people coming in very sick and broken, whether it's chemical dependency or an eating disorder or, you know, severe anxiety and leaving with such profound light in their eyes just mm-hmm. a few days later mm-hmm. and remembering their purpose and seeing each person's unique purpose. I mean, we all come here. Our souls come activated with different purposes. And over time, we're program to forget and and Ibogaine does a great job of deprogramming people. It is the great yeah. deprogramming medicine that uniquely goes into your memory systems, uh-huh. your memories. And and it's it's not like LSD or psilocybin, which is more outward and uh-huh. universal. Uh-huh. It's very individual for each person, often based on their memories, and it sort of defrags your memory system. Yeah. Because each moment I've studied a lot of uh, Buddhism yeah. and, and mindfulness over the years. Each moment, we're all projecting our past experience onto right. the present. And we're right. all carrying a lot yeah. of weight, interesting, and energy. So, so it cleans you and and brings clarity. Interesting. And uh, another risk, is yeah. I think people put too much on the medicine mm-hmm. to think it's going to change them. And this right. is with all psychedelics, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: That was beautiful. <laughs> that was, a lot. That was, that was really fucking beautiful. That was gnarly. I'm so well, pumped for you. Thank you. Let's go back to the beginning of, of, like, what was the kernel of insight for beyond? What was the moment uh, of, hmm, yes. this is the next thing I'm going to so do? So
0: we spoke a little bit about the different factors happening. It's not just the fentanyl crisis. There's suicide rates are at, all, at an all-time high post-COVID. I was approached by, like, the number one safety expert in Ibogaine, this this doctor who we no longer work with certain reasons that i don't want to get into but we've been talking for many years that there needed to be a facility or a series of facilities that existed that both had proper medical care protocols top of the line equipment uh, training big staff you know Uh we have like 40 employees now Mm -hmm. and then the level of psychology that was adequate, and then beautiful surrounding, yeah. nice, comfortable setting. Is, where is your clinic? We're located in Cancun, beautiful. which is easy to get to yeah. for most Americans. It wasn't my dream. I live there full time. Oh, you do? My oh, cool. husband is the CEO also, full okay. disclosure. Nice. So we live there. We have a five-year-old. Uh, we live nearby on the beach. But yeah, we moved our life to, we believe in it so much, yeah. we moved our life there. But yeah, that moment uh, occurred a couple of years ago, and we raised some capital, and we attracted you know leading experts as as both full-time employees, consultants and advisors mm-hmm. and we started it because you know the psychedelic renaissance that was happening the trauma epidemic and the addiction epidemic and really a need for a Ibogaine clinic that didn't I felt didn't exist mm-hmm. you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of facilities but they they're lacking in any of those areas how
1: many facilities would you say there are That's a great in, question in-
0: there's a, I don't know, it depends how you count how a you facility. It, I mean, there's right. a lot of underground providers, and God bless them. I think they're tr- doing their best, but they treat a few people a month. And, you know, there's a few that are above ground. And, like, we have a grade one medical facility. I think mm-hmm. it's it's rare. There's a few, uh, but I just didn't think they were providing the... Preparation, mm-hmm. integration, and and the level of support. And then of course, what we we also added moon and trauma. Most aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. Most are just treating it's been like the addiction drug. It's, yeah. Yeah. And it's what's very exciting. Dr. Nolan Williams from mm-hmm. Stanford mm-hmm. just released the data for his PTSD study for veterans in Ibogaine and showed the MRIs like eight months later and the efficacy, the changes in the brain for PTSD and emotional trauma. Mm-hmm are profound. It like broke these guys' calculators. They were, these, they've never done psychedelics. They were amazed yeah. at, so there's now going to be, you know, a huge surge. I yeah. think there already is. We're seeing, yeah. we can't keep up with inquiries lately. Well, it's that's crazy. the, that's the, yeah. that's the interesting it's, thing.
1: And you're, you're in a unique position because one of my central sort of themes or theses is that the way that this is reaching the mainstream is through scientific kind of publications like the one you just described or companies that have formed and are sort of making press releases about you know their their studies or what have you and so it's like it's reaching the culture but the demand that this whole renaissance is fomenting and generating can't be met by the current you know, medical system. They have to go through FDA approval in America, or it's legalization or decriminalization efforts. And so it, it's mm-hmm. funneling people into the underground. And we were just talking before we jumped on a recording about sort of this you, Ibogaine being unique amongst the psychedelics because of perhaps some of the the medical risks mm-hmm. and the intensity of the experience and and perhaps the the people for whom are called to I begin and 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 you just described a mm-hmm. study with veterans who you know are for for people who are seeking this out adam- i think it's I think it's okay to say like can be deeply traumatized right the, the so it's almost like it's the most intense medicine, yes, from an experiential perspective yes it's the most i don't know if this is appropriate to say it's the riskiest from a medical perspective for sure, and it's riskiest. also. Attracting people who who need help the most, you might say, I don't know if that's the hundred
0: okay. I think we get some of the I wouldn't you know sickest and most challenged yeah and, you know they're beautiful people, and I love it because i'm 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 intense and I love you know where there's dark, there's the potential for mm-hmm. light and the, the transformation that occur, but yes, we get some of the most challenging cases. I could tell you hundreds of stories now, right. And yeah, it is the most dangerous, but not dangerous when done properly with the level of screening. But, you know, the like, for example, the decrim efforts, it is the one psychedelic that that needs to be medicalized, in my opinion. Yeah. If, you know, if it's decriminalized people that really need so that, you know, the people that are really suffering need this, they'll use it on their own. Mm -hmm. And that could really ruin the potential for this medicine in the country because you do need to be able to read EKGs. We have labs. We have EKGs. When people arrive, there's a whole medical process before they come. We screen people out a lot. There's psychological factors. So, you know, we have two full-time physicians, a physician's assistant, 12 ER trained cardiac care nurses right now. And that's growing. We're, We're about to triple our occupancy in the next few months. Yeah. And so yeah, the level of medical safety and and just attention for each client is, is also a very customized case mm-hmm. is something to to consider and Yeah, it is a very intense uh, group of injuries and it is truly psychedelic medicine and we have a mental health facility. It's serious work. It's not a retreat. I mean, we have retreat elements, thank God. You know, it's also a medical facility. And then there's elements that are a rehab without it being, you can't be on your phone or, you know, it's more lax, but everyone wants to be there, which is great. But yeah, so there's a lot to consider here. So you
1: mentioned it being, you're open all year round. Like, you, is that you kind of... We're described...
0: non-stop. We're not like the typical retreat model. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a sense of urgency here. Sometimes people are near death. And yeah, we're open 24-7. It's rolling in missions. Some people, two people might leave that same day. The two people arrive.
1: Mm-hmm. How many people do you see on a, a week or a monthly basis? Or how do you...
0: Well, it depends on how... our occupancy. So we have... Right now we see about 20. So we have seven rooms at a time Mm -hmm. and we're adding, you know, we're tripling that, Mm -hmm. which is great. But yeah, we don't have enough occupancy right now. And I think one of our other big challenges is training and finding great uh, professionals that Mm -hmm. have some experience in this or are willing to learn and willing to move. What
1: kind of what kind of professionals are you? Are or, or, or do you need is that nurses uh, uh, MDs or mds, and MDs? nurses yeah. and, and
0: nurses well there's a lot of them but nurses that are also open to being somewhat eastern based i mean mm-hmm. they're already trained in cardiac care and mm-hmm. you know have a a background in, in working in an er and, and understand the heart risk but they they have to be somewhat open to bringing in other modalities yeah. alternative modalities but and then you know mds who are to be honest not so ego-based they yeah. are willing to also understand psychology yeah. uh, and have you know there's only a few doctors that have been working with Ibogaine for yeah. the last 20 years yeah and so we need to train a lot more and, mm-hmm. and we're working on that that's our biggest challenge it's not capital it's not lead generation yeah yeah it's a uh, talent yeah. and organizing and yeah continuing to build
1: can you describe somebody arrives in Cancun? They come to Beyond. What's the process that they that they go through?
0: Sure. So we have a consultation call just to see if it's a good fit mutually, and then the next step is they will fill out a medical application. It's HIPAA compliant through secure portal. There's a number of questions that are asked related to their health history. And then psychology, of course, but our physicians and psych team are looking for pre-existing heart conditions, history Mm -hmm. of seizures, Mm -hmm. age, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're over a certain age, it's risky and we Mm -hmm. have to say no to people, you know, schizophrenia, certain Mm -hmm. severe bipolar, things like that. Uh, Then typically a physician's assistant or or one of the physicians will call the person and Mm -hmm. and talk to them more in depth and see uh, if it's a good fit once they're approved we begin looking at dates they mm-hmm. come the typical stay is 9 nights 10 days unless uh-huh. they're coming for optimization that's much shorter yeah we have a whole app we work with homecoming there's a lot of preparation materials diets um psychological preparation everyone that comes uh no matter what they pay we have scholarships mm-hmm. too we try to help people they meet with a preparation psychologist Mm -hmm. who's done Ibogaine themselves Mm -hmm. virtually first. Mm -hmm. They have two sessions before they arrive Mm -hmm. and they continue working with them after they leave. So that's great. People then fly into Cancun. We have a black car SUV service. Sometimes there's fear around Mexico Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. flying Mm -hmm. into Mexico. So we have a great transportation team that picks people up in a secret part of the airport Mm -hmm. that's not open to the general public. They're brought to the facility, which is about 15 minutes away. It's in Cancun, but in a very quiet, like upscale area. It's mm-hmm. non-Senior Frogs mm-hmm. crowd.
1: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mesh well. They're, it's a gated facility. They're yeah. greeted by the whole team, which is yeah. quite overwhelming for people. At yeah. times they say that they don't, they feel the love. Everyone looks into yeah, their eyes yeah. and gives them hugs. And they're yeah. like, you guys are a cult. But by the end, they love it. <laughs> they love it because they feel the love, which yeah. they've always had, and which we all have inside. But uh, So that happens. There's a medical intake that occurs. They get an EKG when they arrive. Their bags are searched mm-hmm. because it is a rehab, mm-hmm. quasi rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't typically mind. But yeah, we've had some instances where people have tried to sneak mm-hmm. in. Fentanyl or something, you know, something of that nature and that could be very dangerous. Mm -hmm. That could that could Mm -hmm. kill somebody during the Ibigans. So we have to we have certain precautions there, but they don't feel Like they're being overly scrutinized, they're given food and they're shown around and made at home. So, and then the next morning, you know, they they have dinner and meet the other clients that are there, which are coming at different times, and that's very cool because most people are incredibly nervous. They're excited and nervous, but they see people already on the other side. Yeah, and we do like a morning gratitude circle, you know, with the other clients, so that helps them settle in. There's also labs in the morning the next day. We our physicians and nurses are looking at liver enzyme yeah. yeah. So some you know, there's there's a reason why some people that drink too much it affects yeah, their liver and sure. I begin metabolizes for the liver. So Got we, it. that's another precaution. And there's, you know, morning yoga, there's watsu water therapy, there's acupuncture, there's mm. all the things I wish I would have had. Yeah essentially you know typically the ibogaine occurs for the 10-day program on day four or day five mm-hmm. and they're well prepared they meet with their therapist one-on-one on, one on one, you know more than a few times i think before that uh, happens they see the treatment room they listen to the music before if they don't like it they can mm-hmm. bring their own mm-hmm. and then the treatments at 9am mm-hmm. uh, there's always a physician presence and a couple nurses mm-hmm. Yeah. And it goes, how long does a, how long does an
1: Ibogaine session last? Great question. Within your, yeah, I hear it's a long time.
0: It's a, well, it's not like Iboga, which could be three Mm -hmm. days. This is about 12 hours. It's it's about four hours of visions. Of course you don't know time in that state. You're in sort of a lucid dream state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the remaining time is a lot of insights into your life, what you can change, how you can forgive, you know, I think making peace with maybe past challenging mm-hmm. situations, what your future could look like if you make changes. So yeah. That, is there an
1: element of like, what's the support like kind of during that? Is there it's exchange a good, between it's patients? A and it's
0: unlike other psychedelics because it's very inward. You don't want to talk during mm-hmm. it. They're well prepared before they have intentions and they know what to expect and know what issues they want to look at. So they're able to sort of drudge them up. But, yeah, it's not – there's no talking because you don't want to talk Mm -hmm. when you're on Ibogaine. So, you know, there's nurses with scented towels that can, you know, apply those. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Mm -hmm. the therapist will come in and hold your hand. If you want that, it's very customized. Yeah. Yeah, It's, you know, what does each person need? But, no, people don't want to talk during Mm -hmm. it. Sometimes they call things out and there's a recorder or Mm -hmm. a nurse is writing things down in a journal for them. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the talking happens after. Yeah. And yeah. and the medicine is like a therapist, actually. Mm-hmm. It's very intelligent. It will mm-hmm. show you. That was one of the insights I had during my first Ibogaine. I called out to, you know, this underground provider. This is I am my own therapist, mm-hmm. I said. <laughs> and so there's an intelligence there. And I think that's actually cool, because one of the problems in the psychedelic movement is there's a lot of therapists yeah. who are great. Yeah, a lot of them, but some of them not so much. And they're imputing their own ideas into people's heads during the therapy sessions so maybe it's good that people you know the material comes from them for their own healing they're in a higher state of consciousness they're shown you know they are their own therapist so there's i think an empowerment that might come to yeah but that's a good question it is different than other medicines right
1: and and what about afterwards like so that's on day four or five it's a sounds like a full day experience
0: yeah Afterwards, people are extremely tired. It's a stimulant. Well, at first you can't sleep. So you can't sleep typically that night. Sometimes we assist with sleeping remedies. The next day, some people might want to meet with their therapist. Other people might just want to be alone. You know, some people cry, have deep wails of, it's really what's been repressed comes mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. He ever freaks out or anything, but yes, yeah. people cry. Some people are extremely happy and yeah. just full of energy. It's yeah. and it, there's no way to know. You can't pinpoint. Oh, this person is, you know, uh, severely, you know, depressed, and they're going to do this. Or this person is, you know, addicted to uh, Vicodin, and they're mm-hmm. going to do this. It's mm-hmm. it's different for each person. And there's scheduling all day long. There's all kinds of healing activities and art therapy, so they mm-hmm. can do that yeah. and then. Typically, you know, they're putting together a plan with their therapist that's co-authored for how they can actualize these mm-hmm. insights when mm-hmm. they get home. And then if they are a chemical dependency client, oftentimes there's booster doses on mm-hmm. day seven and day nine mm-hmm. to get more Ibogaine in their liver. Mm-hmm. I think one of our challenges is we want to dose them high enough for the, it's called typically a flood dose, mm-hmm. primary dose to knock out the withdrawals, but we don't want to give them too much where there's a cardiac risk, right? you know, it'd be very, very dangerous. So we also add booster doses, which both help them psychologically go back into pinpointing anything that they may have missed during the flood dose because things are moving really fast sometimes so they can work through another issue or, and also they get more Ibogaine in their liver, which helps with the cravings and the opioid receptor resets, mm-hmm. so that that happens sometimes. and nine. Also, lately we've added bufo as an option. Oh, interesting. And that comes from our friends, you know, Martine at Mission Within. They work mm-hmm. with ibogaine and mm-hmm. veterans, but he sort of developed that protocol yeah. years ago, and that yeah. can be very beautiful for people because ibogaine shows you your egoic programming, yeah, your false belief systems that were created, the way your mind works, the habits yeah. that you have developed since you were a child bufo as you probably know brings you into a state of oneness and for a lot of people who have either addiction issues or depression anxiety they have a of course they're disconnected a lot of chemical dependency clients and myself included have made a drug their higher power right right so to have the bufo after the really roughness of the ibogaine and looking at the most selfish parts of yourself or the habits you can't break or your, you know, issues with your father or whatever, is a very beautiful experience for people because it tells you where we come from, where we're going, and ultimately we're okay. Mm -hmm. And at the core of most of our modern problems Mm -hmm. is a spiritual malady. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a piece that people get and they sort of, sort of the cherry on top. But it's not for everybody. We need to get better at developing a criteria for who should and who shouldn't. Yeah.
1: My sense is, what the the expert class in, in 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 this case, it's like the healthcare system and psychiatry and psychology have maligned or looked down their nose at what we might call spiritual practices, or or you know, it's like I, I think there's a there's a reason why cognitive behavioral therapy is like the most practiced or like most studied is because it's like it's manualized. It's cognitive. It, it doesn't deal with like a lot of the messiness of somatic or spiritual or do you, do you know what I mean? And so it feels like what we're part of the renaissance, you might say, or part of the new paradigm shift that's under happening is, is an appreciation within, I, I, this is my reading of it, and I would like to hear your, your, your thoughts of an appreciation in a more medical, scientific, kind of rational world view of what might be unexplainable or what we put into the spiritual box or, yeah, you know what I mean? You like, can't
0: quantify a lot of consciousness and right, spirituality. Yeah. And so it's going to be very tricky if insurance ever gets a hold of this and it's brought into the Western model. That's a big concern and risk. And I don't really know what the answer is. I mean, I think we can measure success and have surveys related to breathwork and acupuncture and some of these things that help people integrate. But yes, it's not accepted by our mainstream Western medical model, so it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, uh, but the way you happens.
1: just described, sort of like the the, the I begin working at the egoic programming level or the the false self kind of level, is a very like, I mean. I, I heard the term false self from a guy named Thomas Keating, who is a Trappist monk who, (laughs) you know, kind of introduced the idea of of contemplative prayer, you know, brought that into sort of Christianity and Catholic worlds, which, you know, in the modern world is also pretty disembodied and, you know, uncomfortable with the messier, stickier parts of our psyche. You're describing the most, on the one hand, the most medical you know, necessity for care and screening and monitoring, but also the perhaps the most intense or uprooting or reprogramming of psychic, spiritual, egoic. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, what, all of that. What, all of that. What, what do you have to say to I that? I don't know. That, it's all true, <laughs> and I don't
0: know. You know, I I learned a long time. It's okay to say I don't know. I, yeah. It's all. It's very true, and I don't know how we can both help this medicine realize its potential and support a lot of people in their evolution and reduction of, of severe suffering. I, I don't know how we can adapt it for, for this world. We'll see. It's going to be very interesting.
1: So on um, that point, you're, you're, you're in a very unique position. And in just in the last couple of minutes here, both for, for beyond, what does the next five or 10 years look like? But also for the movement of ibogaine and sort of the how that's merging or kind of expanding into the world scientifically, politically, culturally. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- wh- what do you see coming down? What are do you What are you optimistic about? What are you concerned about?
0: Mm-hmm. So, just a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you know this, but in Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, we have. The Opiate Abatement Fund, which won I don't know somewhere around eight hundred million from large farm pharma- pharmaceutical companies like Purdue, you know where the opiate crisis mm-hmm. started, like Kentucky, uh, and about five percent, which is not a you know five percent isn't a lot, but forty-three million is a lot in this field yeah. towards ibogaine research in Kentucky, one of the reddest states mm-hmm. for exploring the yeah. opiate crisis there. That's very exciting for yeah. the future and says a lot. I think, you know, what's been fascinating to see is that we have, you know, I met Rick Perry maybe a year ago. Oh, wow. And he is pro-Ibogaine. Yeah. He's seen it work for yeah. vets and he's seen it save people who have severe PTSD and right. also severe alcoholism and addiction issues. Yeah. And then we have, of course, you know, we have some very left-leaning Politicians that are, of course, pro-ibegate too. So it is the great equalizer mm-hmm. that way, and that's going to be fascinating to watch yeah. how that plays out. Yeah. And there's already, you know, the governor and people in Kentucky that don't want this to happen, mm-hmm. and so that is that's concerning. But I think I'm, now I'm hearing too from lawyers and other people that other states are about to follow because yeah. there's there's a lot of money that's been won yeah. from, from uh, pharmaceutical companies. So that's very exciting. And you know, I think it's exciting because they're gonna, I think, do a good job of bring in safety protocols, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and there will be enough money for for therapy and integration, and hopefully life skills for people that can't afford access. And that's exciting. And well, I think it's definitely just gaining more and more popularity. Yeah. Like I said, that Stanford study for for PTSD, and I think costs will be driven down hopefully as it becomes more popular. Yeah. And maybe I think there's more and more nonprofit money for this and you know, some sort of a Robin Hood model can be set up. And then maybe, I don't know, you know, maybe there will be more molecules that are developed mm-hmm. that are safer. We're open to using yeah. whatever works. Yeah. We're not another big challenge is the sustainability issue yeah. with Ibogaine. You know, there's other plants that yield this medicine, but you know, as more and more, I think somebody said yesterday, there's only enough in Gabon for a million treatments or something. Mm-hmm. So as this becomes more popular, that's another concern. Right. So um, there's more work to be done there as well. But yeah, I, I see this becoming more acceptable. I see, you know. Mothers from the Midwest that are yeah. open. We get mothers from the Midwest yeah, yeah. that would have never been open to this five That's years fascinating. ago. We had the Wolf of Wall Street, which I can talk about openly. He came a couple weeks ago. He posted about it on his social. He was a paying client. He
1: what's his name? Jordan Belfort. Belfort.
0: He's a a sweet guy and he's married now and his wife's amazing. And they're nothing, he's nothing like what he was 25 years ago with the Quaaludes. And he has a steady life and he was on Suboxone, you know, that's another issue, but he's on Suboxone for 12 years or something. And Came to us wanting to get off because people, you know, are put on these opiate replacement therapies and they have no energy after a few years, Mm -hmm. and their lives are good, Mm -hmm. but they can't stop. It's Mm -hmm. very tricky. Yeah. So you know, people like that that are open. They can't
1: stop because there's a withdrawal component to Suboxone. It's harder to get off of than heroin
0: or 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 Vicodin or anything like that. Is there any research
1: of like? Of, of helping withdrawal and getting off of suboxone with, with, Ibogaine? with Ibogaine? Not
0: yet. We need to do – that's another point too. So there will be more research. We're starting to do research with different universities, and they're coming, and they're setting up oh, studies awesome. at Beyond. Awesome. So So that's where we're headed as well, and there's some safety studies that are happening with well-known researchers in the U.S., and all of this is going to help. Answer some of these questions, but yeah, I think super cool. I think it's very exciting. Yeah. We're growing like crazy. We're learning a lot. We make some mistakes. We're getting better. Yeah. I always want to know from people like people love it. They leave happy. We get a lot of referrals. A lot of referrals. Mm-hmm. People send their you know spouses and their and they don't have chemical dependency mm-hmm. issues. They send their kids. We've mm-hmm. had we treated a whole family. You mm-hmm. know, four or five people. Uh, but I always want to know like what is not working for you? What was not good? How can yeah. you make it better? Yeah. Tell yeah. me. But yeah, it's a—it's very exciting. Cool. I'm grateful to be a steward of this. I'm grateful for my checkered history and the wisdom and the learning and the work that I've been able to help bring to the planet. It's very fulfilling spiritually. Mm-hmm. And it's an honor.
1: Yeah. Well, it was an honor to have you on the Trip Report podcast. I appreciate you coming on. And where can people learn about your company, you, your story?
0: Sure. So beyond.us, there's no why. We don't ask why. It's not a spiritual question. B-E-O-N-D dot U-S. Mm -hmm. We have Instagram. We have- You're all over the place. TikTok.
1: Well, you've got a great podcast too. We have a podcast uh, with Amanda Siebert.
0: She's a uh, journalist and a friend and she came to Beyond and had a profound treatment and she has a podcast. Yeah, it's called Ibogaine Mm Uncovered. Yeah, and then you can just email hello at beyond us. You can book an inquiry through the website; they're all free. Mm-hmm. You know, you can book to talk to somebody. Lots of options.
1: Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, come down and visit. I'd love to. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Trip Report. We hope you enjoyed it. You can sign up to receive our free newsletter and get the podcast sent directly to your inbox by going to thetripreport.com. This podcast is a production from Beckley Waves, a psychedelic venture studio. If you're interested in learning more about building companies in the psychedelic space, head over to BeckleyWaves.com to get in touch. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. I'm Zach Hegney. The Trip Report is produced by Cooler Production Company with coordination from Caitlin Jabari. See you next time.